This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Headlock Talk is brought to you by... Austin-based company Naturally Hemp's and their new line of CBD gummies. These gummies are made with 100% baked-in, pharmaceutical-grade, non-isolate-based CBD. What we're talking about here is the entourage effect. The entourage effect refers to the stronger effect you get when combining multiple cannabinoids together as opposed to just CBD. Full-spectrum CBD or CBD distillate tends to be more potent and last longer, which is what we're talking about here. Unlike some other brands that use a spray-on CBD, Naturally Hemp CBD distillate is baked in so you know you're getting the full dose with each gummy. I personally use them for all kinds of things like sleep aid or muscle pain. And did I mention they taste great? They got five flavors, uh, strawberry, green apple, lemon lime, watermelon, and get this, the orange flavor has vitamin C in it. So if this sounds like something you could go for, head over to your nearest Creative Sig vape shop and pick yours up today to see for yourself the difference Naturally Hemp's gummies can make in your life. On this episode of Headlock Talk... I am joined by a very special guest, my good friend, the one and only Foul Original, as we discuss and look back on the very odd show that was Heroes of Wrestling. everybody welcome back to yet another episode of headlock talk presents wrestling lore i'm of course uh your hostess with the mostest <laughs> the texas gentleman tanner pruitt and along with me here uh my good friend and co-host this week uh the one the only the impeccable uh words can't describe how much this man means to the lore of headlock talk itself foul original hello how you doing hello. <laughs> hello foul yeah that was a nice intro and you know I, i'm eating a cookie at the moment some of you may or may not know i'm eating a cookie drink some coffee but mm. i would offer you a cookie for that 
Oh well, thank you. I, I sincerely appreciate. It. What kind of what kind of cookie do, would you would you offer? You got like a bag of them over there? Is that... I don't buy cookies by the bag. Like, huh. have you seen, seen me? I what I might I have bought five bags. This cookie today is an oatmeal and raisin cookie from Asda, aka Walmart. Mm. As you can see, I've even put it on a plate. Some people, I put it on a plate. That's a rather large cookie. That's either a small plate or a large cookie. I can't tell, but that looks like a big cookie. Bit of both. Bit of both. <laughs> bit of, bit of, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Fal, what we're doing here today... Oh, my goodness. What we're doing here today is recounting a show that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that me and, and Steven once reviewed before way way back in the day um back when we were still on brainbuster radio and um <clears throat> uh just to put this into context i've been a part a party to a lot of things that i've never wanted to be a part of uh <laughs> i've been to magic the gathering conventions i've been to uh i've seen lay miz four times in the movie theater when it came out <laughs> at least I've, you know the people you could hear the people sing so that's good. Yes, um, I've 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 seen all of the Hunger Games movies and the Divergent movies. Again, n- not willing to be a part of it. Um, I I've even listened to uh, a Corey Feldman album, which I did not want to be a part <laughs> a party to. Um, but this this foul this this might take the cake. The cookie, even this might I, take the I, cookie. I, I, <laughs> You know what? Yeah, you told me to watch this show, and I, I have I've hated that I had to watch this show. <laughs> like, it's 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 the thing is, it's not, and like we'll obviously we'll dig into it, but yeah. it's a show that's very infamous for being mm. really bad. Mm. But by making me watch it, I realized that there's some diamond in that rough. Hmm. That that is one man's opinion, and I'm sure we will get right into that. <laughs> oh goodness! So the year is 1999, Fowl, and uh, one man. Holy crap! Did I go back in time? <laughs> Ooh, we're going back in time. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the year is 1999, and um, there 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 is the the height. Of wrestling, WCW kicking ass in the ratings, uh, WWE, WWF at the time rather kicking ass in the ratings, and um, there there was a market for you know uh, may, maybe um, more wrestling. You know ECW was still a thing. ECW was doing great, um, so it was presented the idea to uh, a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Bill Stone. Uh, who uh, ran a company called Fawstone Productions, and I believe he's um, he's been since affiliated with CBS Sports. Uh, he was he was told at the time, you know, th- there might be there might be a market for uh, some some nostalgia in professional wrestling. You know, let, let's bring back the good times. You know, the the old stars from back in the day, the uh, from the eighties through the early nineties. And uh, let's 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 try and make a buck or two off of some some vintage wrestling here, Fowl. 
that's a, that's a fair fair enough point, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. nostalgia is 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 normally good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Operating word there being normally. <laughs> normally. <laughs> uh, so so what what Mr. Bill Stone set out to do at this point was devise a wrestling promotion that he would dub Heroes of Wrestling. And what he wanted to do with this here foul is he wanted to uh, basically get a circuit of older wrestlers from from back in the day and uh, have them tour this circuit doing shows and pay-per-views and, uh, you know, just having a good old time putting on some uh, more um, uh, conservative, family-oriented wrestling, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Simply put, yes. Um, <laughs> so, basically, we, we have the first show here of Heroes of Wrestling, October 10th, 1999, from the Casino Magic Hotel uh, and Casino, <laughs> you know, because that's what Casino Magic is, right? Couldn't be a, just a hotel. It has to be also a casino. But- that's the magic trick, though, isn't it? It's like you go to Casino Magic, surprise is a hotel, and double surprise is a wrestling show. Right? <laughs> sure, there were a lot of surprised people that weekend. <laughs> Extra surprise. Extra surprise, for sure. Uh, this, was, uh, this is the Casino Magic Hotel and Casino in Bay, St. Louis, Mississippi, uh, which I didn't even know was a city until just a few years ago. Um, apparently, they had experienced a major flood uh, just years prior to this. So this hotel is basically built upon a swamp. Um, allegedly. Makes a lot of sense. In, in, in my opinion. <laughs> I would have said some kind of ancient Indian burial ground from the what actually ended up happening, but a swamp sounds just as just as plausible. <laughs> and we will we will understand why here shortly. Um, the the card foul. The card was crazy built you know uh we have this uh uh this this match the super match of uh, the super heavyweights yokozuna and uh and king kong bundy was going to be the headliner uh, i mean we had all these wrestlers from back in the day T- talk to me when, when when you're watching this show for the first time here you just got done watching it earlier today mm-hmm. the previews what grabbed your eye man so so what's really interesting is I've seen bits of this show before, but as I said, this is the first time I've like watched it the whole way through. Mm. And at the beginning of the show, like it's 1999. Mm. So I'm watching the show and I'm like, okay, see King Kong Bundy. I'm like, okay. All right. mm. um, people that grabbed my attention at the beginning, sensational Sherry still looked sensational. And there was a certain point, though, where she was aligned because they kind of introduced some of the stories for the evening, like to kind of give you a little bit of context of what's happening. And one of them was that George the Animal Steel had been taken under the wing and a little bit more of uh, Sensational Sherry. And she's like, <laughs> he's a killer. He's He's, he's, he's going to beat everyone. And there's a point, yeah, when he walks backstage and she mm. walks him into a dressing room and you see her bra because her, her top comes undone. Because mm. it, obviously she's giving more than just career advice mm, mm. to George yeah. Animal Steel. But um, that's he's what kind of animal. grabbed my attention. He's, 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 he's a hairy he's animal. More, and, more ways than one. 
I mean, have you seen what he does to like to turnbuckles? I mean, mm. imagine that. Yeah. Uh, we talk about Batman around here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like. So I I was I was really impressed with the named value of some of the people that were there, um, and it looked like from what they were building a really good card. Um, heard names like Tukov Scorpio, which I was like, at least we're going to have a good match here at some point, um, and like the Samoan Hit Squad. We heard mm. that um, uh, who else was like uh, Lou, Lou, Captain Lou Albano was going to be there, Dutch mm. Mantel was there, and it <clears throat> seemed. Mm classy seemed classy now mm. I, I was like it's a pretty classy show of course and and that's that was certainly the hope of you and i and the 2000 people in attendance that uh, went to this show in in october 10th of 1999 uh however what would proceed to happen is something that's been nearly universally acclaimed as the worst wrestling show uh, of, of all time um Foul. We'll get into it here in just a moment. We'll break down the matches, but is is, is that a fair assessment? I mean, are, are people just being too harsh about this, or is there just maybe like this legend status about the show that just keeps being passed around of it being such a bad show? I, I think it is a bit of both, and like I think mainly the legend grows. Because every time that someone talks about the show, it's kind of got that same feeling for me as like the plane ride from hell where mm. there are so many things which are still unknown. Um, so many of those wrestlers that are no longer with us anymore to be able to tell those stories as well. And mm -hmm. probably just the amount of like substances thrown around that weekend. No one's going to have like a decent recollection of that time anyway. So it just increases in legendary status. But for the worst show of all time, I would like to raise you the series of shows by Five Star, which happened here in the United Kingdom, which were some of the most terrible shows I have ever sat through. Each of them were three and a half hours long. I watched them live. Mm. So this is definitely, in of itself, the worst start to a promotion I've ever seen. And probably, it's not the worst show ever, though. Like, there are, as I said, there are some diamonds in the rough if you watch the show okay well we'll we'll we will go ahead and proceed into the card then so that way we can we can really tell uh the listeners our dear listeners what what our, our real thoughts are here and maybe maybe just maybe because i i will fully admit i was very <clears throat> i was very harsh on this show the first time that steven and i reviewed it um that being said some of those opinions are sticking around, <laughs> but, but uh, we'll 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 see if if anything changes here. Um, that is very true. That is very true. Some of it, and I'm not I'm not going to try and defend it. Some of it yeah. was terrible, but it's, I think just bad. like with you, I'll come back. I was like, ah, uh. mm. um, we we get the the opening uh, of the show, and and we're given. Uh, uh, I guess notice of the two commentators here uh, for the show, Dutch Mantel and uh, a gentleman by the name of um, Randy Rosenblum. Now, um, if that name, Randy Rosenblum, does not ring a bell to anybody out there, uh, it would be for good reason. Uh, the original intent for this show was to have Gordon Soley actually do the commentary uh, alongside Dutch Mantel. 
which, which may have saved part of the show at least. Um, however, Gordon Soli uh, developed throat cancer around the time uh, and, and would later pass away due to uh, such a, such an illness. Um, instead, we are uh, we, we bring in Randy Rosenblum, who who does have <clears throat> some commentary experience, uh, but it, I believe it was collegiate and high school football commentary experience. He had zero foul zero pro wrestling commentary experience here um <laughs> it's not the thing is yeah is that's mm. not always a bad thing mm. and i mean like i'm gonna i'm gonna pull in someone from the past don west yeah my thoughts go out to don west he had like no experience whatsoever and that guy could sell you everything in that ring and mm. i think if this guy had what's great about this commentator randy rosenblum is he was one of the highlights of the show. Like he was trying to save it, <laughs> like, and he had more power to save it than the people that were in the ring that have been doing it for like 20, 30 years. So, mm. really, really impressed with him. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely gave it his best try for sure. Uh, part of it is he was handicapped by by particularly agitated Dutch Mantel that night. Um, who was very combative with him at times. Um, <laughs> uh, mm. So we, we got them running down the card. Uh, we, we, we get the, we're opening with the Samoan hit squad or a Samoan SWAT team, rather. Oh, Samoan's hit squad. What am I talking I don't about? Know, yeah. I said that, a, yeah. <laughs> that would be better, though. That'd be a better better name, yeah. Wait, uh, so is that, if, if we had some kind of like alternate universe where like the Heart mm. Foundation teamed up with the Usos? Mm. Boom! Like, there Small you go, Small and hit, Small and hit squad. <laughs> That'd be badass. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so the Samoan SWAT team, uh, Samu and uh, the Samoan Savage, uh, would come down to the ring uh, with um, a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Paul Adams. Uh, I believe was was the gentleman's name. We we actually don't get introduced to him, um, but uh, but that is the guy. Um, the ring announcer uh, obviously kicks off the show saying that uh, tonight somebody's going to get their ass whooped tonight. Uh, very exaggerated. Um, got got a little bit of pyro foul. Big pyro show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, dude, there was, there was pyro all over the shop. That's why I was like, yeah. at home, if you're watching that live, you must have been like, this is impressive. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Into, yeah. No, it would have been. You know, the first bit when you watch it. Because like there's something obviously you're talking about commentary. They um they put an opening graphic up at the beginning as well, um, in memory of Gorilla Monsoon. So yes. it had a lot of like real feel to it. Like so it felt like a real wrestling show. Mm. And except for all the wrestling. But it was <laughs> definitely <laughs> anyway um the the uh I, I believe this this gentleman paul adams he he makes his way down to the ring he introduces the samoan swat team uh so he he says uh he refers to himself he never actually says what his name is he just refers to himself as self multiple times through this promo uh talking about how he was thinking to him himself self you know, how do I manage this career here, this newfound career I have in this 
burgeoning uh, wrestling promotion, and he he wants to go right to the top of the food chain, and he of course wants to manage the Samoan SWAT team. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he says that the uh, the next. Um, I guess whoever the opponents are tonight, they would need a 12 pack of liquid courage to take on the Samoan SWAT team. And um, unfortunately, ironically enough, they invite out Marty Jannetty. Uh, mm. so, um, allegedly. I mean, just, just one man's opinion. Uh, <laughs> Marty Jannetty is also accompanied by Tommy Rogers, who is his tag team partner tonight. Um yeah, this match here, Fal. Opening match for Heroes of Wrestling. Dude, I like this match. This is what I'm saying, yeah. I really liked this match. And I I went into this event very low expectations. So mm. you watch that first match, and it's one of those matches for this particular show, which I'm going to call the false sense of security matches, because there's loads of matches during the show where you're like, oh, they know what they're doing. Then something will happen. This match, they knew what they were doing. Um, Marty Jannetty was quite good out there. There was a point when they kind of like kept the camera on Marty while he was talking to Tommy about something. I don't know what that was about. They're having like a proper little natter and then got up. But that was quite interesting. But um, it was a good match. And Mm. if you wanted to see wrestlers from that time period Mm. and you wanted to see wrestlers that could still go, those guys could still go and that as you know and obviously pay-per-views over in the US and like over in the UK as well they used to have that 15 minutes of like free didn't they so mm. this would have fallen into that 15 minutes of free time mm. and if you were kind of watching you'd be like oh sounded like this was going to be a terrible show but actually this is all right i might bite sucker but every <laughs> time that's <laughs> but um, i really liked it yeah. Uh-oh. Oh. Uh oh. It's it's ordered. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, so the the one takeaway that outside of the action that that I will present to you here is of of course Randy Rosenblum, who we just talked about. He's kind of warming up, getting going through the motions, just trying to get get into the wrestling match. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he's he's calling these moves um, like like an arm drag. Right, he calls the arm drag a reversal and slam takedown. Hmm. That's a new one for me, Fal. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah. Think about it, though. Maybe he was trying to coin some phrases. Maybe it was perhaps so. Uh, perhaps so. Uh, he also calls the drop kick a flying leg kick. Hmm. Well, that's exactly what it is, though, isn't it? <laughs> Of course. How, how how could I be so wrong? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this, of course, uh, catches the fury of Dutch Mantel at, at ringside. He, he keeps shouting and Randy Rosenblum that uh, it's an arm drag. It's called an arm drag. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, we, we get the we get this this finish here, uh, which is a Samoan drop uh, to a cutter, which actually looked really pretty nice pretty right, good you know. yeah uh mantel reminds us that uh you don't have to be you don't have to be a brain scientist to understand how that works as far as uh you know passing out to that finish yeah i guess i guess that was him like 
just ripping on like Blumenthal as well. You don't have to be a brain scientist to know what that is. <laughs> just just staring directly at at Rosenblum. You don't have <laughs> to be a brain scientist. Because he's wearing sunglasses, like he's in full Dutch mantel like attire, like the full uh, like lebby, a little look at the lebby, and he's just looking at him like I will kill you outside, but he's saying it under his beard like the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see his lips moving because his mustache is too big. Uh, exactly. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, after this match here, Fal, we are uh, we're we're taken to a uh, backstage where we're shown some footage. Uh, lost footage, perhaps. I don't know. But it's of George the Animal Steel arriving to a hotel with uh, Sensational Sherry. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I didn't realize it was a hotel. I thought they were just backstage. And I was like, oh, interesting. I mean, per- perhaps. Perhaps so. Um, I, <laughs> considering what's about to happen, I, I, <laughs> I would hope it's at least at a hotel. Dude, um, they, the whole show is coming from a hotel? The call was coming from inside the house. Didn't even think about it. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Uh, <laughs> uh, they are um, very friendly with one another. Miss uh, uh, Sensational Sherry and, and George Animal Steel. All the hairs um, were standing up on his body. He looked oh, yeah. really excited. All, all, of, all of them. Um, it... it... <laughs> At first glance, it's uh, it's kind of worrying for me because George the Animal Steel, um, he he looks he he looks older. He looks like he's getting up there in in age, and Sensational Sherry looks like she's like a caregiver of sorts, like a nurse type who's <laughs> just like, oh, come on this way, George. You know, it's 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 okay. But then she keeps playing with her 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 dress. And I'm like, what are you what are you doing with with your with your dress right there? And um. <laughs> They they wander into a room, but as they're going into this room, I think either Sherry or George, I'm not sure. All I know is that dress came off, and um, they 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 wander into a room and shut the door. <laughs> but just as you said that, that's that kind of puts that whole scene to a different context. Because if yeah. you can, if you just put over the top of it, no, George, what are you doing, George? You need to come back here, George. It's four p.m., George. Your medic. <laughs> Then it just changes that whole scene. <laughs> George, what are you saying? I think he's saying I like lasagna. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Sherry then cuts a promo, I, I assume hours after what, what happened in this hotel room. Um, where she's maybe wearing not. maybe not. maybe maybe not. She's wearing a, a very similar dress as to what she had just worn that got taken off. Um, and uh, she cuts a promo about uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, and uh, George just busts out of nowhere, and he's just like, "Fight, fight, let's go fight!" And uh, he's <laughs> he's he's all ramped up and ready to go. Um, so yeah. Sherry has to to lead him uh, to to the ring. I guess that's um that's what happened. <laughs> What's really interesting about it, though, and what I liked is that it was probably one of the best storyline angles in the show because we got the storyline, we got the angle, we got a little bit of a build, and then we got mm-hmm. a conclusion, which you know. So we we did get, in fact, a whole story. In this whole arc s- segment, yes. <laughs> um, 
Let me see here. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine makes his way to the ring first, and uh, he gives us basically a, um, kind of a, a history lesson, if you will, of uh, this, the, the history with him and George the Animal Steel uh, and, uh, and, and his family, right? Um, Valentine then says uh, that uh, he's going to make George, quote, lay down and die tonight, uh, which was... Um, hmm. A little mm. bit, a little bit grim, and uh, that that Sherry is coming home with him tonight, <laughs> which, which also is <laughs> well, a little bit grim. Uh, well, I guess if she's some kind of caregiver, I'm assuming she has multiple clients, just in case. You got to just in case at that age, you got to you got to keep your options open. Yeah, you don't get paid As by the hour. Caregiver. Yeah, maybe you do. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, no, I don't think that was her gimmick. That was Sean's gimmick. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, uh, so uh, George, George the Animal Steel versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. Uh, this is a, a, a fairly short match. Um, basically, the the story here is that uh, when when George's uh, shirt is uh, pulled over his head, Sherry is the one that starts attacking him, uh, and, and and George didn't know. Right? This is very sad. Mm. Um, <laughs> At one I was, point, dude, I was like, "That's real bad at it." I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, look, she took him upstairs, then you know, took care of him in whatever way, then took care of him." It's like it's not, it's not nice, is it? No. Um, finally, George is able to see past this here, and 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 in my original sh- show notes uh, from two or three years ago, uh, George finally takes off his shirt to reveal that he's actually part lowland gorilla, and then attacks. <laughs> Greg the Hammer Valentine. Um, uh, a fork is then used, maybe? It was like a fork or some something. There was something in Greg the Hammer Valentine's tights. That was so weird. Yeah, can we just take a second for that? Because yeah. I was watching the show, and like yeah. I've seen it a few times, and there's just this point of the show. Now, they're quite old gentlemen. Yeah. And there's this yeah. point in the show where they're just like, look what's hanging out of Greg. I was like, oh no, what is it? What is it? Like, what is it? Like, it, at that age, there's a few things it could be. It's not going to be a weapon, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a reservoir, more than likely. And I was like, oh my God, as what is. So that's what I thought he was attacked with, poo bag. But obviously, it wasn't. <laughs> It was a. It was at least a, a pointed object uh, that was used to then attack uh, uh, George the Animal Steel. Uh, the finish is when uh, uh, Sensational Sherry actually hits George with a chair, and then uh, uh, Valentine gets the pin here. Uh, this, this match sucked, foul. This match sucked. Dude, shut up, man! Like she had a. <laughs> so did you? I think the match, the the build for the match was fantastic. Ten, yeah. 10 stars. 10 stars for the build for the match. 10 stars. It's like a 10 stars build. The match was all right, but it told a story. It wasn't... Okay, it wasn't great whatsoever, but the yeah. end of the match is what I thought was really great. And this is what I'm saying is, like, if you were watching that as a fan of either Greg the Hammer Valentine... Like, Greg the Hammer Valentine... Of George Animal Steel or Greg the Hammer Valentine, yeah, and you were like... You'd be like, oh, my God! Like, they've had a match. Yeah. A conclusion to the match has happened using something that we remember for the old days and sensational Sher- sherry 
I don't want to say the phrase because it sounds sexist, but she went ass over tip, like um, mm. over the top. Mm. Yeah, and like, um, and that was that was a pretty big bump as well. She's quite the tall lady, so I didn't realize it went straight over. And then that's when the crowd and even commentary were a bit like, "Oh, we're really behind George." Oh no, we attacked a woman. Uh. <laughs> now, now this feels like a problem. <laughs> yeah, now this is right. and that was actually very interesting later on during the show because there's a point. I think Dutch Mantel says, like, one of the commentaries say something about sexuality, and then they pull it back. And I'm sure it's, it's like, you can't uh, assault someone's sexuality. They're like, that's very crazy. I remember just hearing that part way through the show, and I was like, what has happened? Like, this is 1999? Did uh, they go too far? Yes, I, I, know the, I know the part that you're talking about, and we will, we will get to that here very soon. Um, yeah. We get uh, some technical difficulties backstage. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, a we get a, a comically uh, intense promo from a I want to say a debuting Julio Fantastico, um, who he's he's very confident here, Fal. He's he's saying that uh, he's going to this match against Two Cold Scorpio, and that uh, he's never going to lose a wrestling match again. Mm-hmm. You know what? This whole show reminded me of, like in very small ways, the first Mm -hmm. TNA show where you'd had people on there that were like, "I'm the best, I'm the oh my oh I'm the best ever," and it's like you, my friend, were the cheapest person. Not there's nothing to say anything bad about you, but all name value can't really do it anymore. So Mm -hmm. of course you're going to do well because you're going to be one of the shining stars. Unfortunately, this person hitched their wagon to the wrong wagon. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, they hitched themselves to a wagon, and that's probably the best, most apt way to speak about this. But, like, he was, he looked good. And I was quite excited for his match against Two Cold Scorpio because mm. I'm a big fan of Two Cold Scorpio. And I thought, well, at least we're going to get like a high flying style match, bearing in mind, I kind of figured that a lot of those guys couldn't get their feet. To the ring, so I was like, "That's gonna be quite interesting." And yeah. that definitely, that definitely seems to be the thought here. From from what I've researched, is that they they felt collectively, uh, I guess Bill Stone and whoever else was behind the production of this, that uh, they needed a fast paced match, considering all the other talent that was on the card, and uh, that they certainly went out of their way to get two Cold Scorpio and Julio Fantastico here, um, which uh, yeah, good for them. You you did it, boys. You did it. Um, <laughs> uh, Two Cold Scorpio actually comes to the ring with a um, a replica WCW Heavyweight Championship belt, which, of course, he was not the World Heavyweight Champion at the time, Foul. Um, not quite sure what he was doing, but the... maybe they wanted to project this image that he was the, the champion. I don't, I don't know. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he just stole it from WCW. Maybe they just get, they just gave it to him on his way out. Like they just went, here you go. Here's a title. I've won the title. No, <laughs> take this with you. We he, can't afford he, to pay you. He got in a in a, in a luggage mix up with Goldberg at an airport <laughs> and like took Goldberg's bag and then like <laughs> ended up with the belt. Uh, you know, uh, you know why that was probably why because it was at the airport and someone shouted "You're next," and Goldberg flipped out <laughs> and just left. 
<laughs> punched a window at the airport. It was a, it was I'm a not thing. the one that's next. You're the one that's <laughs> next. <You're not. laughs> oh God. Um we're also joined on the <laughs> at the commentary booth by Captain Lou Albano, who um He's a uh, he, he's very loud, foul. He's he's very very emotional very, as well. Very emotional. very like, yeah. like L- lots of promo. passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his promos, like when he was doing them. Like I think they did a promo backstage. Like he got to a certain point in the promo when you could tell that he was like, uh oh, I don't know what to do anymore. But I'm just gonna keep saying things that I've said in the past louder. Mm. Like, Avalo, the, the sweet to be sour to be, the power of the arm is sweet. And I was like, oh my God, he's running out of stuff to say, isn't he? Oh, no, 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 no. But he was very good in this segment. I liked, mm. you're obviously going to mention the announcement that was made for this burgeoning mm. promotion that mm. they were going to have a brand new, what was his, his title? It's General uh, Commissioner. 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 So they're going to have a commissioner. That looks like Mick Foley does now. Mm. Mm. And I, th- he took it like looking at Lou Albano, that was like the biggest like thing he'd ever got in his whole career. That was like his cl- crowning glory, the way he was talking about it. Like he was getting choked up. You could yeah. see. And like Dutch was obviously like laughing his ass off underneath his sunglasses. And mm. like you could tell like he was like, oh my God, like I'm going to be back in the business. And I think for someone like Lou Albano, it probably was like truly meant something that mm. he could give something back to professional wrestling, especially in '99 when there probably wasn't a place for him. Yeah. But he was very loud. Yes. Um, that in combination with Dutch Mantel, who also tends to be quite loud. Um, you, you you end up getting something here at the commentary booth, which is, um, yeah, like two older gentlemen who are, um, uh, like, like, do you ever like, like use closed captions when you're watching TV and just is like indecipherable. Like it was just like <laughs> that. Like it was, it would just be like that the entire match indecipherable commentary. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's cause uh, they're trying to get themselves over because they're like, Oh, people are obviously here. Let's yeah. get ourselves over because it would have been during that time as well, ninety nine. Yeah. Like, get ourselves over. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what the, that's what the business was for them. You know, it's absolutely exactly. right. Um, <laughs> this this clearly here, but Julio Fantastico and Two Cold Scorpio, in my opinion, is the best match on the card. Isn't by, it though? By a pretty far distance very far margin um we do have the occasional um mix up here uh with uh rosenblum calling um two cold scorpio he, he calls him two cold scorco at times he also calls him randomly the dragon in the middle of the match he just starts calling him the dragon and nobody knows who he's talking about and then you're like oh he's talking about scorpio i i don't know why but um, mm, hmm? I, I, I'm not thinking maybe it is just because it was like he doesn't know any of these people. He's like, that guy's called Two Cold Scorpio. I'm guessing he's some kind of kung fu guy. All right, let's just. <laughs> he's the dragon. The dragon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, a lot of this match, a lot of this match had, had, uh, brawling from the outside. Um, and then when it gets back into the ring for the finish, Scorpio hits, uh, his finisher twice. And, uh, on the second one, it almost, uh, decapitates, uh, Julio Fantastico is a very, uh, very rough finish. <laughs> mm. But, you know, he, he was, you could tell that he was mm. being positioned as like a top, you had to take the finish twice. Yeah. From Nostalgia Act. If you got to take the finish twice from a Nostalgia Act, you're, they're putting the rocket on your back. But unfortunately, <laughs> in this case, there was no fuel in the rocket or even a rocket. He, uh, he earned that replica World Heavyweight Championship belt. <laughs> he, he earned that one. Uh, <laughs> Wait, if he lost the match, did he have to give it to Julio Fantastico? <laughs> presents it to him like Hogan at WrestleMania 6. And holds up his arm <laughs> at the same time. as like, we did it together. We did it together. <laughs> point, point at Fantastico. This guy. Um, <laughs> um, it is then revealed post-match that uh, none other than Captain Lou Albano, as you had said earlier, Fal, that he is revealed as the, the official commissioner of the Heroes of Wrestling. Um, he, he starts getting very emotional. He starts crying. Um, I start crying, but for different reasons. Um, <laughs> very, very emotional moment uh, for Captain Lou, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, we are then cut backstage here. King Kong Bundy cuts a promo on Yokozuna. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's fine. He talks about how he's a big man. Yokozuna is a big man. Big man match main event. Um. The, the next match fell. The next match here on this card, I'm rubbing my face because my notes because yeah. this is where I started taking like really detailed notes. Because <laughs> at this point, I was like, "Oh my god, let me find." Because uh, up until this, up until this point, I was like, "It's, it's fine." It, yeah, exactly. I was like, "I'm not offended." Like, yeah. I'm not like, not like I was offended. But I was like. I don't feel like people. I, I was like, I feel like people have have pooped on this too much. I was mm. like, and they've just given it a bad rap, and it's not that bad, and la 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 la. Yeah. Mm. Then this next match, and this is the match we're talking about. Is it the the iron the 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 Sheik and Volkov? Yes. yes. The uh, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov versus the men from down under, Luke and Butch. Um, mm. th this match has been. Um, widely acclaimed uh, by many outlets as the worst wrestling match in the history of wrestling by a pretty sizable distance. And, uh, yeah. It, I would it, agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I, it's, there's so much going on in this match. Like, you know, like, as we were talking about earlier on, everyone trying to get themselves over. Hmm. Every single person is like, because I guess in their minds, every single person is a massive main event draw and was hmm. at one point. So they're pulling the main event stuff out. And people like, okay, so like I noticed something, for example, Nikolai hmm. Volkov, he used to go to the top rope and wave the flag. That's his hmm. deal. Mm hmm. 
it seems as if he can't get up there anymore. That's fine because he's coming up in age. So they had some random guy dressed up as like a Russian foot, like one of the guys from the Kremlin, yeah. like proper yeah. US stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then he went up and did it. And then he came back down and I looked at like, and obviously the camera had gone away and come back. And I looked at Aishik and I was like, who the hell's that guy? I was like, Volkov looks different. It's because Volkov had obviously got to take a seat somewhere while like Aishik was doing his stuff. And it was just so weird. But you know what the gimmick of Battle Royale at that WrestleMania when they all came out and did their stuff? <laughs> That's what it felt like. But if it was being taken legitimately and... <laughs> They were expecting people to go, wow, God, God damn, God damn, I she never lost it. Like, what? Like, he's there's that thing that he did. Okay, so still, if people are listening here, you need to explain to me because I don't really understand. Yeah, this maybe this is the Olympics thing, but okay, there was a point, there was a point in the match when there's these two sticks on the ground and the and he's just standing at the sticks. I Mm. thought. That he was building like a little platform and he was going to stand on it and he's going to be like, I'm the, you know, because he won Olympic stuff. Yeah. No. He picks up what looked like and then he was trying to pick them up. And I was like, even when he's picking them up, they looked like they were made of like polystyrene, like, you know, like foam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he picks them up and then he starts swinging them around his back. Yeah. What's that for? Who's that for? <sighs> So, from my understanding, this is something that he's been do he he had done for a long, long time previously. Uh, this is an an exercise uh, from from what I'm understanding here from him, according to the Iron Sheik. This is a a an Iranian exercise that's good for your back and your shoulder muscles. Really, what this looks like to me is a good way to like. Uh, definitely like shred your shoulder muscles like like to the point of like you know tears and 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 injuries but uh, of course he must have some kind of element of control I, that i'm not aware of um, well i think at the time he was surviving on this um special potion powder that you could ingest and it would probably helped him to not feel any of that pain for a long time it's perhaps true allegedly yeah, uh, call it splendor Splenda. Mm. <laughs> um, so let me walk you through this here real quick. Um, Luke and Butch, the men from down under, are very over. They're they're very popular with the crowd. Um, the Iron Sheik can barely walk. All right, barely. Lots of USA chants when Sheik and Volkov come out, um, and uh, we are then treated to a special acapella version foul of the old Soviet national anthem. (laughs) Um, Even commentary who had been inept uh, to say the least uh, at the, to this point um, does chime in saying that uh, they thought the cold war was, was over. And yes, it had been over for at least 10 years at that point. (laughs) It's like there were people, there were kids in that crowd Mm -hmm. that we, that, that, that do not know what the Cold War was have no idea what it is because it didn't exist in their lifetime. And they're mm-hmm. like, I see this guy up there singing a, a beautiful Russian song. I don't know what it's about, but maybe I want to join in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got very little kids <laughs> singing the Soviet national anthem. <laughs> exactly. That's how they got into the US. That's how they did it. That's how <laughs> communism came back, thanks to this show. 
that's what happened. That's a, you see uh, sales of uh, the, the Communist Manifesto just skyrocketing in, in St. Louis Bay, Mississippi uh, in 1999. People, people waited outside the arena with sickles and hammers like for different reasons, but still. I like... thought you were going to say people waiting outside of a Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, <sighs> let's see here. So uh, we we're getting lots of um. We get the the Iranian weight demonstration from from Iron Sheik, which I've noted looks very unsafe, especially for a man in his age and condition. Um, <laughs> I also found a lot of irony in that there was a lot. A lot of USA chance here, Fal. Um, this is very unusual considering that there's no participant in this match who is actually American. Um... <laughs> but you find it really interesting as well that for the majority of the night, the crowd were like whispers, no noise. The second these guys talk about USA, USA, USA. <laughs> oh man, it, it it was this was a wild match. Um, uh, we get the the chic. Um, <laughs> uh the sheik tries to stay on the the, the apron here as uh <laughs> volkov uh tries to get some kicks in uh, uh there's there's no like i said there's no americans in the match Sheik comes in the ring to distract to make a distraction here but he can he can barely move so he actually uses the referee to 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 move himself around in the ring a little bit um <laughs> uh this match was it it looks it looks very soft and um we were actually demonstrated that uh, nikolai volkov gives perhaps the softest worst looking backbreaker in the history of professional wrestling right here in this match but yeah mm. there have been worse like moves done on elderly wrestlers like when undertaker did the choke slam to hogan um, way back when, when he was undisputed champion to take the championship off him uh, in WWE, and he just he goes the whole way and he just gently lays him down, like taps mm. him on the shoulder, and then goes down to pin him. I'm like, jeez, man, he's only Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, he can't do anything now. You've outlasted him. Like, it's fine. You're immortal. You don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> this this was very much the same in that Volkov was basically laying this man down like a like a child, getting ready to go to bed, and just like you know, tucked him in. Uh, with the low on his stomach, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gave him a raspberry. The match got really weird. Yeah, no, that that that, that didn't actually happen, folks. Um, uh, one of the bushwhackers gets the pin, and uh, eventually, eventually, and, and thankfully, it's over. This match was was chaos. This match was. Um, if if you go out of your way to see this show, folks at least stick around to see this match <laughs> because it's well worth your time. <laughs> this match has everything. This match is a really good microcosm of what Heroes of Wrestling is because everything else is quite mm. like extreme to the sense of like it's not necessarily the fault of the people who booked it. It's the fault of the talent. In this mm. case, the talent were probably like, we can't really work a match. But we've been booked to do it, so let's give it a try. That's the level of what you would have got from this show. 
And if mm. it had just been like that the whole way through, then people mm. would have been like, ah, you know, it's a nostalgia show. They're a bit old and whatever. But instead, they're like, no, this is going to be a promotion. This is like the standard of what you are going to see if you watch the next show. <laughs> and that's why it shocks the hell out of me. Because I'm like, you put your best foot forward. You don't go, cool, we'll get chic out there. And like, you know play like weekend at bernie's with the ref like what the hell man like it's just oh my goodness. Bernie's with the ref. it's just crazy it's crazy there, uh there i'm glad that you mentioned that because um i ironically not ironically but but realistically um Sheik was not going to do anything in this match considering his his shape and condition. He actually did nothing. He didn't actually even participate in this match besides like did the exercises, the exercises the work. and the uh, <laughs> and the uh, and the uh, occasional distraction. Um he he then blames Nikolai Volkov for the loss after the match. Um <laughs> ironically. <laughs> and um they then decide ultimately to to hug it out make up for 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 the the loss so i guess they they kind of turned face at the end i'm not really sure um this match was disgraceful foul <laughs> uh, yeah and it's but it it goes back to that time period and i think this is what's interesting now with um with like aw and the way that tony is is it has always been a joke that wrestling fans, the ones that become like owners of promotions and stuff, is that they go back to those wrestlers that were their heroes when they were a kid. So mm. this isn't heroes of wrestling for a generation. These are mm. the heroes of wrestling for the booker. Is Bill Stone for the booker? These are mm. his personal heroes. So you can't say to him, "You've booked Cheek, but he can't do anything." Mm. Oh no. He will. You don't know Mashik. And that's <laughs> the problem with it. But with TK, like obviously he's like, I will book these people. I will book I will buy Sting. Well not buy. Yeah. I'll, I'll sign him. And then this I'll put him better. in things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but and then I'll put him into into like matches where he, he gets to do the stuff, but he also I understand the limits that he has. It's not exactly going to Sting. Yo, Sting, do you want to uh, jump into like a six-man... Uh, like Obviously, he wasn't a six-man. Do you want to jump into like a six-man um, TNT title match involving yeah. the majority of the high flyers from the division? Yeah. He'd probably want to do it. Yeah. But... You, you don't you don't see him taking like a snap dragon suplex from Kenny Omega on the apron. Yeah. Oh, no, but, no, but I kind of do. But that would be something that he would do way down the line it's not something you're going to see every yeah. week because you know the limit but if you've got someone that can can't even move in the ring and you're asking mm -hmm. them to get to the ring i mean that's why wcw had a raised ring in my opinion anyway that's why tna had a raised ring for so long because they had talent that was so old that they couldn't actually even get into the ring so they were like cool we're gonna give you a lift the whole way down <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem is like Sheik's getting there and he's struggling getting up there because he's an older gentleman. He's an old guy in it. And mm -hmm. Volkov can't even climb the ropes anymore. So it's like, what, what are you doing with this? I, I would love to see them and I could already see it. Yeah. They would be like the first tag team champions of this promotion if it ever went <laughs> on. <laughs> like, they would... 
they they would they would lose the titles, get mad, hug each hug each other, hug it out, and then go back and win the. No, it wouldn't even like they would, they wouldn't even go back and win the titles. They would just be given the titles again, like no, like nothing ever happened. <laughs> and then and then Iron Sheik would do that that weird thing, but we do it with the two belts. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be brilliant. Um, we we then get footage. Um. Uh, from earlier in the day of uh, Stan Lane actually attacking Tully Blanchard while Blanchard was cutting a promo. And um, he, he throws them in the back of a car and, and, and Tully actually cuts uh, upon getting out of the back of this car. He cuts a really good promo, a really intense promo saying that he's getting flashbacks of when he was in his prime with the four horsemen. And it's just like, it's this really good promo. It's actually probably the best thing on this show. Like, like quality wise. I would totally agree. It was, it does. And that's what I'm saying about this show is there's, there's parts in the show where mm-hmm. you can see where they were going with it and like where it could have gone. But there were a lot of people out for themselves. But that promo, like, it built the match for me and it, it felt old school. And I'm sure that there were a lot of people that were watching that were really appreciative of that over the majority of what had already happened. So yeah. I would have kept them in there. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great promo. Um, we are then treated to the match. Stan Lane versus uh Tolly Blanchard. Uh, Stan Lane actually comes out first and um, he, he's clearly offended by the ring announcers. Um, I guess his announcing job, perhaps. So he takes the the, the mic, and um, apparently Stan Lane had been, t- I don't know, taking classes or just like watching Michael Buffer clips on on VHS. I don't know what he was doing, but he he apparently learned how to uh, you know do his own ring announce work, and uh, yeah, very uh, very interesting. Uh, <laughs> very ahead of his time. Very ahead. Very ahead of his time. A young um, Ken Anderson was watching this show and just knew what he was going to do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he, he does. He does announce himself with the moniker "the original gangster of love." I'm. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, a gangster of love? Is that like a, a Casanova, a, a Lothario of some kind? Is that like? Is that, but, is but that he, just a cheater? <laughs> but he's but he's also he's also a gangster, so he's got to have some street credibility to him, you know. At least that's mm-hmm. at least maybe I don't know. I'm guessing he wears a bandana when he goes out on dates. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on dates with with five women at a time wearing a bandana. Yeah, like <laughs> are you in the Bloods of the Crips? Oh, <laughs> I mean neither. I'm in the Paisleys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, got like ripped jeans but it's just like one rip across the knee and he's like ah gangster of love uh, surgically precision surgical precision made sure all of the frays have got away i might be a gangster but i know how to dress <laughs> <laughs> gotta be fashionable um the uh the commentary team uh talks about how the crowd is mesmerized by this beautiful man that's in the ring stan lane um but when the camera pans to the crowd they they're either bored or looking away (laughs) why did yeah you know why did they keep panning to the crowd because they weren't going to get anything from that like every (laughs) single time they look to the crowd and the crowd like 
why are we here? Like, every single one of them, they're like, I hope they didn't pay to get in there. Like, because... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, this this match was fine. Um, it definitely did not, in my opinion, live up to the Tully Blanchard promo. Uh, but I think that maybe just lives up to how good of a promo Tony Bl- uh, Tony Bl- uh, Tully Blanchard is. Um, uh, Stan Lane thinks that he had won the match after a back body drop pin combo. Uh, but uh, the referee reverses the decision and says both men's shoulders were down until Tolly got them up before the three count, uh, leaving the, the the crowd quite confused uh, as to what happened in the match. More confused than <laughs> they already were. <laughs> I mean, they had just uh, seen a a, col- a relic of the Cold War, you know, in the match prior to this. You know, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be quite confused as well. I don't know. There's probably probably kids outside trying to do the trying to do the chic like thing, and injuring themselves. You know that so, would like... actually make for a really good piece of merch. <laughs> you know, like in 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 today's world, that would be a really like best selling piece of merch is the the Iron Chic, uh, Iranian weight training set. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it wouldn't be called that. It'd be called the. F your fat kit, wouldn't it? Well, that's we'd have to call it that. Like, what's it? <laughs> F the F the fat. <laughs> oh my god! So that's a that's a free marketing idea out there for you, uh, Mister Sheik. Uh, if you're listening, uh, you need to you need to sell those, brand them, and sell them. Um, Sheiky baby Jim. <laughs> Instead of like a Bowflex or like a like a whole gym set thing, it's just these two. It's a picture of these two weights. <laughs> Pretty strong, baby. <laughs> Shaky baby, Jim. Uh, uh, this only, baby number one, other baby Patui. <laughs> only equipment I ever use. <laughs> Since I baby to a man. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, we are uh, we're then taken backstage where we're having yet again technical difficulties. Um, it backstage, uh, we do have Jim the Anvil Nightheart taking, uh, taking a promo, D- doing a promo. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I was going with that. Doing a promo, uh, in the back. Uh, he's saying that uh, he he does not want giraffes or rhinoceroses. Nor does he want any pythons. Um, there you go. Uh, <laughs> King Kong Bundy then interrupts Jim the Anvil Nightheart and says, uh, "No need to worry; that they will take care of that." I guess uh, Jim Jim is concerned about his match with uh, uh, Jake the Snake later. Mm-hmm. And he should be, and, and we will soon find out that he very well should be. Um. This next match on the card, Fal, uh, I don't know why they they decided to go with this match. I don't know why it was booked here. It seems r- really out of place compared to the other ones. Uh, one Man Gang uh, takes on Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah. Okay. What was this? Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> So when I was when I first started watching wrestling on the internet, it's like uh, properly starting to find uh, find other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, probably like two thousand one ish, 
And I went back and I watched a bunch of stuff and I saw Abdullah the Butcher and I think a few years later a documentary came out about him because of the issue he had with his blood and there was a wrestler that was suing him and there was all that stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was watching this match and I was like going back to there being a lot of children in the arena, going mm-hmm. back to there being a lot of like old school wrestling fans. Going back to, this is going to be a touring promotion, apparently. Mm. You've got Abdullah the Butcher going up against One Man Gang. Mm. In in what is, a lot of people would say, precursors of what the death matches are now, which is they were having a match where they just, Abdullah bladed himself as many times as he could with a fork and just bled everywhere. And they built it up. Like, on commentary, they were like, oh, this guy's but like they've 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 poured bu- uh, buckets of blood all over the years. They've bled for mm. this industry, and I'm like, yeah, but don't bleed tonight. You don't need to bleed tonight. Like, fine. <laughs> there's there's no reason to. You, you're okay. You don't have to do this. Yeah, cool. And it's like there's a, there's a bit in um ma- uh, man in Mick Foley's first autobiography, Have a Nice Day, where they uh-huh. talk about him and Al Snow, and they used to bust each other open all the time, like above the the eyebrow they'd be at like a barbecue or something and they'd be like hey how you doing and they just punch each other in the eyebrow because if you hit each other just there it doesn't hurt but it just gushes blood and i was thinking abdullah mate go hang out with al snow like he'll get barbecue with you as well like you won't just do this <laughs> well and Ab- abdullah the butcher would later go on to open up a chain of 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 Barbecue Bar- restaurants. arteries, veins, Bar- Bar- <laughs> barbecue <laughs> restaurants. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was like Abdullah's Ribs. Uh, I think it was uh, was the, the the name of the the barbecue chain. I mean, it's smart though because you just have like various states of Abdullah. How would you like your steak today? Oh, I'd like it. I like it. Heroes of wrestling style, please. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> What? Oh, terrible! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh, just don't, just don't try the sauce. Uh, you don't want to try the oh. sauce at the at the Abdullah the Butcher's rib shop. Well, let's just say Abdullah puts a little bit of himself into every meal. Uh, <laughs> I just <laughs> allegedly, uh, I don't know allegedly. that. Hopefully, Alleg- hopefully the restaurant's closed. Not because allegedly. of that. It's for different reasons. Um, <laughs> no, like going again, but but the kids thing and you mm. talking about people in the crowd being bored. Like, this was one of those points in the match, oh, sorry, in the night, where if I was a parent, number yes. one, well, I brought them there, I'm not really responsible, but <laughs> if I was a parent, I would have been like, kids, hmm. I know that you desperately want to see, uh, <laughs> you desperately want to see the main events, and you desperately want to see uh, King Kong Bundy go up against Yokozuna, like, you've been talking about it the whole car ride here, Yeah, but I think this is the point where we need to leave. <laughs> yes um this is uh oof um one man gang <laughs> opens the match by attacking abdullah with the chain right and uh abdullah is, is just busted open right away like there's like <laughs> and then there's no saving this after that um he he gets hit with a chair and then thrown into a ring post abdullah is just like it's a massacre and um, from what I've read about the event and from people who attended or, or, and, and were on production and everything, they, they originally intended, they wanted Abdullah to, to, to bleed, but j- just, just a little bit. He didn't, they didn't want him to bleed a lot. Uh, Abdullah does not do like a little bit of bleeding. Uh, I've, I've never seen an Abdullah the Butcher match where he's just like, I'm just going to bleed a little bit. 
Yeah, but did you see that match when he? Yeah, but did you see that match when he got a paper cut? Oh shit! Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Abdul the Butcher versus the Paper Airplane. Uh, wonderful match, classic. Exactly. <laughs> office match, office match. But uh, <laughs> stapler. At least the stapler was at home. But you know, mm-hmm. you know what? Like, I, I think that the really annoying thing about Abdullah is, as you said, and it's not his fault, but people come in to see him bleed. They're not coming to see him, like, if if they are coming to see him at all. But if they're coming to see him, they're coming to see the Abdullah that's going to leave a stain on the floor that you can never get rid of. That's mm-hmm. what they want, yeah? They don't want him to come out and just, like, what is an Abdullah the Butcher match other than quite a vicious, barbaric thing? It's mm-hmm. like telling New Jack, no, New Jack, go out there and just, you know, just turn it down. Like, just, yeah. like put, go on a, go do a four. Yeah. He do a four yeah. for us. Yeah. And he's I, like, I, I no. understand you're at like a seven or an eight, but we need you at like a like a two or a three. Yeah. And he's like, I will add two or three to the seven I'm on right now. <laughs> I'll see you <laughs> Bringing this to a ten. Um, uh, Abdullah does make a comeback in the match, but not in the way that you would expect. Um, rather than it being like a moment like a, like a Hulk Hogan hulking up or Ultimate Warrior shaking the ropes, Abdullah hulks up and, and makes his comeback by um, starting to lick his own blood, uh, which is um, gruesome. Uh, and uh, at that point, he starts attacking one-man gang with a fork. Uh, both men are um, bleeding quite a bit um I, I'll, I'll say this um this is a um i think you hit the nail on the head perfectly this is very much proto deathmatch style wrestling um if you're a fan of like uh, old czw stuff or like um gcw uh perhaps you're probably going to be fine watching this one um but uh there's some aspects of abdullah which is like uh, uh what um if, if you... sometimes the buffet of like wrestling can have something on there that's a bit too spicy for everyone <laughs> this is one of those dishes which <laughs> you know people went to the buffet and they're like what's that and they're like you don't want that that yeah. no one eats that Oh, but we'll force you to put some on your plate because that's the buffet of wrestling. See, like, uh, yeah, this is a this had a, a tad bit too much cumin and ghost pepper. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, muy caliente, <laughs> muy caliente, muy uh, caliente. Uh, uh, so yeah, if if your exposure to like this style of wrestling is like. John Moxley and Kenny Omega, or John Moxley and Joey Janela, and then those lights out matches in AEW. Uh, this is going to be a, a bit of a turning point in your life as a wrestling fan. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm just giving you fair warning now. Um, the match ends as they call off the match, seemingly because allegedly production found this to be far too gruesome uh, for, for pay per view. And uh, they, they had security escort the two men to the back as they continued to fight. Um, Abdullah, at one point, then um, gives the fork that he used on One Man Gang. He gives the fork to a fan, and then the two fans that were next to him high-five him, which I found to be hilarious. <laughs> uh... <laughs> but that's what I mean, yeah? It's like, there's probably people in that crowd that were like, yo, 
this is really good. <laughs> and like, even the finish to the match, like, it's a smart finish when you think about it. It's like, it's too gruesome. Yeah. It is. You're watching it. You're like, shit, no, that is too gruesome. But yeah. they ain't just going to finish. They're going to keep fighting to the back until one of these men is dead. Like, <laughs> you won't get to see that. <laughs> but before we leave, here, fad, have this fork. I've got just 25 more. <laughs> like, in my it's, it's littered in Hepsi. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, that kid, you know what the worst thing is? is That's the kind of shit that, like, when, when you were a kid, it's like, it's, if you were given something by a celebrity, like, you wouldn't wash it, would you, or do anything with it? Oh, my God. That kid ate their lunch that day with that same fork. Mommy, mommy, what's all this? Oh, no. <laughs> You have to put it in a special box and it's just on its own, away from everything else, you know? Like yeah, it says medical waste on it. <laughs> <laughs> or just turn turn it in directly to the CDC. And just be like, can you can you keep this? Um for safekeeping. Um <laughs> Uh, after this match, we we get uh, uh what was termed uh the ultimate grudge match here, foul the ultimate grudge match between Cowboy Bob Orton and uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Uh, now this match, watching this match is slightly problematic for a lot of reasons, especially if you are aware of the allegations that were made against Jimmy Snuka towards the end of his life and throughout his life. Uh, those were well documented in uh, Dark Side of the Ring, of course, and uh, through other documentaries. I digress. Uh, <laughs> this match was it was it was okay. The, the work was actually pretty decent at it. Um, th- there were some inappropriate moments where um, the crowd uh, was uh, chanting uh, something directed at Cowboy Bob Orton uh, that would have been um, a a homosexual slur. Let's let's put it let's put it kindly directed towards Bob and. Um, this wasn't just like grown men in the crowd or 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 women in the crowd. These were these were children chanting this at Cowboy Bob Orton, <laughs> and and, and I don't know what to think of that. It, it goes back to this show. Like I think there's a few shows that I've watched, like retro star ones, and there's certain parts of the show which are always going to be problematic mm. because them wrestling being such a time capsule sometimes of how society of the extremes to which society will allow entertainment to get to but also what they will tolerate Mm. and during that period of time so 99 so we're talking like end of 99 start of 2000 it was still fashionable to Mm. to bash people for anything really and sexuality was the easiest one to do. And especially with wrestling fans, it was like the ultimate insult because it's like, oh, you're going to make this insult. But it ended up becoming so normalized that, as you said, there's kids in the audience that are like, oh, to be like the grown up wrestling fans, I need to call this person a slur. I mm. need to insult them in this way because that is socially acceptable right now. Mm. What is really interesting about it, though, is the WWE and WCW were no different with st- like those kind of comments. So it really probably goes to show more about wrestling at that time 
mm. and like what what was acceptable and stuff but it was still not i think even in 1999 that was a little too edgy i would have said at the time like 99 would have been like oh really are you gonna mm. but we would have seen john cena just a year later or like maybe two years later doing mm. the same kind of shtick as the master of thugonomics so yeah you know it's it is it is very interesting and there's no and like watching the show and if you watch it you will be shocked by the age range of the voices and seeing them in the crowd and seeing the vigor and like the happiness with which they say it um it's just a different time isn't it like it truly shows a different time like um of acceptance of anything but mm-hmm but this, to give it, this this show should have had a fucking age rating. Like Jesus Christ, are you bringing Abdullah out there? That's an immediate like no people allowed yeah, yeah, rating yeah, yeah. in C seventeen at the at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, this match, like I said, it was it was fine. I mean, there's nothing like um, there's nothing about this that I would say would was was any better uh, than any of the other matches here on the card. Um, but, uh, you do get to see, uh, Snooka miraculously, uh, at his age, hit a, uh, super fly splash, uh, for the win, which is, uh, that, that was beautiful, <laughs> dude, that was beautiful. And that's the mm. thing is like, these two guys, they, Orton wasn't like the fastest at the time. And I think, it was a few years later that he went to the WWE with Ort- or with his son, because like obviously now we know that Randy Randall Keith wasn't that big of a wrestling fan during that time, so he wouldn't have even watched that show. Imagine that if you were Randy Orton and you're like, "Yo, my dad's a big wrestler. He's other here as a wrestling thing." That's why I don't watch him. This is why I don't <laughs> watch any of his stuff at all. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, uh, definitely, definitely an interesting time and like. Um, I was very impressed with the work rate in this match. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these these two went and attempted to have um, you know a a match that would have been of the caliber of uh, what they would have in their prime. Uh, hmm. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't fault them for that at the very least. And uh, foul. This is where the show uh, really. Um, it just puts the, puts the brick on the pedal and drives off a cliff. Here, uh, we're we're getting we're getting to the to the end. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. we're we're backstage. Jake the Snake Roberts cuts a promo, and um, he he's um, I mean, I won't say anything that he wouldn't have said himself or, or that he's already said about himself at the time. Uh, he was not in the um, best of of, of um, mindsets at the time, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can tell that he's clearly um, disturbed or um, maybe, um, I don't know, I can't say if he was intoxicated or anything at this time, right? But uh, you mm-hmm. can definitely tell that uh, something was not fully clicking with, with Jake here. Uh, he's playing with his hair. He like throw, throws his hair in front of his face like it's a mop, and then he like plays with it like over the course of this promo. Um, he he starts making this uh, these casino references uh, about uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, saying, uh, "If you want to play twenty one, I got twenty two. If you want to play blackjack, I got too many of those too." And uh, that just that just comes across to me like you, you're just bad at poker, really. Um, <laughs> 
He <laughs> maybe he didn't even know it was a wrestling show. <laughs> Casino magic. <laughs> Where, where's my chips? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he um, he, <laughs> he says that uh, he he he's a cheater is, is the point he's trying to get across, and that um, he says that uh, someone who goes to a casino must accept losing, and he doesn't accept losing, but he does accept cheating and being bad at poker <laughs> is, is what we've gotten here. Yeah, like it was a very confused promo. It felt more like a warrior promo than mm. like a snake pro- like Jake the snake promo because it it what it felt like was very generic and like no time had been put into it whatsoever and as you said it's probably like in the casino he was like so this game is 21 right i played 22 and he's just like what are you even talking about jake what's even happening what what song are you quoting new you one can't, i just wrote you, it myself you, you, you can't just like make a new game here like this this like, <laughs> It's like, it's like, you guys can play blackjack. I play baccarat. Checkmate. <laughs> it's like, what? What are you talking about, Jay? But no, he definitely was like, you could, like, towards, I think, the end of it, um, he slurs his speech a little bit, mm. um, especially when he's towards the end of that promo. So, kind of similar to, like, Lou Albano, when he kind of ran out of stuff to say, Lou Albano wasn't as probably intoxicated as he was. Like, he might have had a few drinks here or there, but, like, Jake was definitely not in the mind frame to be having a wrestling match, let mm. alone being going out there and be giving a live mic to do a promo with. Mm. And they kept cutting to the crowd, and there were women that were screaming for him because yeah. he's still Jake the Snake goddamn Roberts, isn't it? Mm. So I think that might have played into it a bit as well which is that a lot of those wrestlers had had no kind of validation or no kind of like crowd for a long, long time. And as they've said before, that's for a lot of the wrestlers, that's the most intoxicating thing of all. Um, the most addicting part is the, the crowd reaction. So if he mm. just gone out there and sent some, some pretty shitty things, like, and like that never, wouldn't really pop anyone. And he's like, oh, they're buying it. Like, I'm, I'm in. I'm back, baby. And then that's where the rest of the night comes. But definitely, de- definitely, like, I wouldn't... The thing is, is I would never sit here and make fun of someone going through shit because mm. that's not fair. I will, however, happily make fun of the people that book those people because they're booking them knowing what's going to happen. And we had a similar thing years later with Scott Hall when he was booked by a promotion. They knew what he was like and they made something of it. They were like, we knew what he was like. We booked him and he didn't turn up. Mm-hmm. I think that this goes back to the the booker guy, the, the guy who was setting this all up, who, again, big Jake fan and probably thought, yeah. Ah, he's probably done worse in the day. He'll be fine. He'll go out there. He'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that does seem to be uh, perhaps the case here. Um, fr- from what I'm seeing, um, uh, for the remainder of the promo, Jake was pointing at the the, the snake in the bag, Damien, who's who's in the bag. He's pointing at the ground, uh, talking about Damien, and then erratically he he tells the cameraman to 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 get his ass back back up and pan back to him um he uh he he tries to get a ddt chant started to close out his promo and uh, he's like ddt 
DDT, DDT, and he walks away, right? He starts to walk away, uh, trying to get the crowd behind him. He, I think he probably in his mind, he's like, man, there's 2,000 people here. They're probably going to be chanting right along with me, DDT, DDT. You, you really only hear one person, <laughs> one person uh, initiating or, or rather getting behind uh, the DDT chant, uh, which was... Um, quite disheartening and, and and perhaps a sign of things to come uh here in this match i think that was dutch as well because they cut to dutch at one point and like ddt ddt uh like it's it is it is a very like you know what's really interesting watching those promos as well is you know when imp they don't do it anymore but impact used to do this thing um where they'd have like an, an interview happen kind of like in the arena so they'd go to something that looked very similar to this, actually. It's like a backdrop, and then they'd have the wrestler there talking. And then like they can see the crowd, and they get the crowd ready, and then they go back around to come out later on. Yeah. It looked like that. So you know what? They did do something. They influenced a whole generation of wrestling fans because they probably thought, we can do this, yeah. but better. <laughs> we can do this thing, but way better. <laughs> Uh yes, I I I I think that's a that's an interesting take here on on this match here, Fell. Um, the the match that we get here, um, I I, I we 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 will talk about this. I'm I'm sure at a pretty good length, and 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 then we'll we'll go home. But um, it's Jim the Anvil Nightheart versus Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake walks down to the ring, barely. Uh, he sets Damien the snake down in the ring. It's, it's still in the bag. Uh, but then Jake walks back up the entrance ramp and, and, and into the back. And I'm not quite sure why he, he, he does this because then he just runs back down to the ring shirtless, right? I mean, do you have any theories on maybe what he was doing backstage? Wheeling himself up? Um, oh, okay. Well, there you go. I mean, I mean, just being just being honest, because because yeah. the thing is, is you see him come out. So that's something you have to say is that you're talking about pyrowind stuff. Yeah. When you see Jake on camera come out with Damien, that's Jake the effing Snake Roberts. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to keep this like to keep the yeah. f bombs down a bit, but that is Jeff. That 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 is Jeff. Jake. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff the Snake Roberts. That is jumping Jeff effing father. <laughs> <laughs> That is, and it is because you see him, like, the shot is beautiful, like, and this is what I mean, watch it for just the beginning of his entrance, and you see the camera pan up the way that it is, the pro, like, the pyros, amazing, and you're like, you know what, Jake, you pulled it out of the bag, not yet, that's later, but he's like, I'm like, that's cool, yeah, like, mm. that's really cool, then he gets to the ring, and he does the debut, then he just walks off, and I was like, oh, why? But when he comes out, he is noticeably slippery. So mm. either, yeah. So that, that's what I'm thinking. Th that is, uh, that is an interesting point. I, I had not ever thought about that one. Um, he does come down to the ring, um, and he he walks around ringside, and of course, this is when we get the the, the famed clip, the infamous clip of him. Uh, he he reaches into the crowd. He's reaching for somebody or something, and a, a woman greets him um, hesitantly, and uh, mm. he then grabs her hands, and she's kind of, as, as you put it earlier, 
before we, we we did the show. She's kind of in a bit of shock. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it is. It's that thing when you freeze when something's happening, which is either so surreal or so like offensive to you that mm. you're like, I is this happening right now? <laughs> so she, go ahead. Yeah, so so she so that's what I was saying. So when I was talking before, like she, she as you said, she looks hesitantly at him. Her mm. eyes lock with his. Then she kind of moves back a bit. He grabs her hands mm. and then puts them onto his pectoral muscles. <laughs> I say pectoral muscles. <laughs> I, I'm standing here holding my pectoral muscles. I have no pectoral muscles. So he, and then. I up until now I've never seen it in context. So I thought she went oh, I thought she grabbed him and went, oh look at it. No. He then starts like moving her hands around in a circular motion over his I'm a caught on breasts, because I got them as well. <laughs> so over his breast and kind of almost like jiggles himself with her hands. Yeah. And then with the biggest smile on his face, walks off. Her <laughs> hands then come down. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah. And then her hands come back and she kind of puts them down and looks over, still at him, yeah. and is like, What just happened? <laughs> she, she did have a she did have a bit of a, a wry smile, almost a laugh that that like that that just happened. I'm not sure if she's playing off of embarrassment or like nervousness or what, but it seemed like this was a deeply uncomfortable moment for her and for everybody else involved here. Yeah, because, like, even when he, like, points that this, he does this, like, it is, like, that's why I feel like he was intoxicated, because there's certain things that when you do, if you, if you were drunk, you do them, but then if you saw yourself do them later, you'd be like, oh my god. So, like, he even does, like, the wink and the gun to her, like, he gives her, like, the double finger guns, like, before he goes over, he's like, hey, and she's like, what? (laughs) So, definitely. Jake the Fonz Roberts. (laughs) 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 oh man so Jake gets in the ring at, at what point Neidhart um, leaves the ring I'm, I, I'm sure that he's at this point realizing that something's up with Jake um, Neidhart proceeds to beat down Jake with clubbing blows and he's got wrist control um, Jake tries to go for a DDT, but Neidhart ducks out of the ring. Um, again, um, one interesting point that we need to bring up here about Jim the Anvil Neidhart is that at this point in 1999, he was trying to get back to WWF, and he he was, uh, according to uh, sources that I've seen here in researching this match, uh, he did not want to lose. He wasn't going to do a job for for Jake here tonight. So there was a little bit of a, a, a conflict here. Jake is obviously the biggest star and did most of the promotion leading up to this match. Uh, but Neidhart, he's he's wanting to go, you know, over here. So there's there is a, a, a conflict. And now with Jake being in the state that he's in, it's think- not super easy. I think that puts this match into a different kind of context for me personally, though, as well. Because mm. Jake just saw this, I guess, as just another match. But mm. Jim probably saw this as, yes, this whole card's going to be terrible. Mm. But at least, and this goes back to that whole getting myself over. Mm. It's like, oh, okay, uh, if 
I put on a good match with Jake, and then mm. WWF will be like, you had a good match with Jake, mm. and then they'll bring me back. You know, like, but if Jake just comes out there and does not want to cooperate whatsoever, is in no state to really perform, is the bigger star and is probably going to win anyway with a terrible match, I would probably be in a similar position, be like, ah, <laughs> go back to Canada. I guess <laughs> chill out for a bit, you know. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be like, I'm gonna let him go and play with his boobies in the ring for a bit, and I'll just sit back here and drink some, I don't know, some maple syrup. I guess that's uh, what Canadian people drink. That's, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is going on love wrestling, so I mean, uh, we, we can and we can ask we can exactly ask <laughs> what I should ask actually, like to to all the people that love wrestling. What is mm. your favorite maple syrup? I'm not asking this just to like spend your stuff mm. and, and to. Zach, I'm asking this to all Canadians. What mm. is your favorite maple syrup? And would you drink it neat? Ooh. All right. Well, Canadian audiences out there, if you if you are listening, uh, definitely let us know here. Headlocktalk at gmail.com. Again, that's headlocktalk at gmail.com. What is your favorite maple syrup? And do you drink it neat? Perhaps. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny that you had mentioned that... Um, uh, that that Jake would 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 proceed to play with uh, himself in the ring uh, after Nightheart leaves the ring because that's kind of what happens next is that Jake proceeds to bring Damien out of the bag and again I'm being one hundred and ten percent genuinely honest here as to what this happens uh, this this is documented footage folks I'm in no way shape or form slandering him we like we like to make a lot of fun around here but this happened like yeah. this legitimately happened this this part is real um he he gets the snake out of the bag and then mimics it, it being um a, a, a penis uh, a, a, i was gonna a say balance. one-eyed trouser snake oh. but you had to be all like yeah. <laughs> medical you know <laughs> be all like clinical about it <laughs> i was gonna say dog <laughs> but sorry he uh he's um playing with it um, um uh, simulating if you will uh it, he then drops down to the ground all right and then again this is all this is happening in front of uh young children young young, young boys and young girls uh, while he's playing with um, his snake in the ring um and then he drops to the ground and starts uh licking the snake uh which is which is even stranger almost uh considering the 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 recent uh actions he was taking with it well maybe yeah he had a few ribs taken out mm, yeah pulling old marilyn manson allegedly mm-hmm. allegedly uh, allegedly um that's that's the that's the rumor um yeah but uh he <laughs> uh <laughs> the, the match is somewhat saved as um, King Kong Bundy then comes out to try and bring order to the match. And I would have never imagined King Kong Bundy being the type of person that would bring order to anything, uh, really. Um, Nightheart then attacks Roberts from behind and uh, is then uh, distract- who, is, who is distracted by Bundy at this point. Um, he has Roberts in a sleeper hold. I think at this point, Nightheart is simply just thinking let this match be over. Like try, just try and get Jake to the ground and force a pin on him for three. 
Um, uh, there is a slight comeback here. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're, not with we're, the snake, though. Not with the snake. <laughs> no, no, no. Not with not with the snake. Uh, Jake tries to make a comeback and get another round of DDT chants started. Uh, Bundy then gets into the ring to try and help Neidhart uh, uh, beat down Jake. And uh, oddly enough, Yokozuna comes out. So, so this this match is completely falling apart at this point. Um, Yokozuna may legitimately been around seven hundred plus pounds at this point. Uh, for, from what what's been documented in his career, he looks quite quite large. Um, and uh, somehow this now became a a tag team match. Okay. Um. Jake is just on the floor. He's he's collapsed. He's he's just a wreck. And uh, we then get somebody else who arrives to the ring, um, who looks oddly like King Kong Bundy uh, here. Foul. Um, so, what's your mindset to this uh, of what's going on in this match to this point here? When this King Kong Bundy look like? Because we've had a lot of chaos here. So, so there was two things that went through my mind as I watched it. I was like, first of all, they saw this match happen and they were like, there is no way in the world we are having a one-on-one match between King Kong Bundy and Yoko Zuda after that. Because, like, I thought that's the first thing. Second, I had no idea what was happening from that point onwards. Like, from that point onwards, like, obviously King Kong Bundy came out. I was like, all right. Yoko Zuda came out. I was like, all right. Commentary didn't seem to know what was happening. So you're like, all right. People in the crowd were as non-responsive as they were for the majority of the show. So I was like, what? And then <laughs> as that happens, there's a point. In, I was just watching it. And I think I turned around for a second. And then everyone always went black. And then they showed like the end of the like the title card. And I was like, what? I, I was actually quite disappointed because I was thinking, again, if I bought this pay-per-view. I oh, know, card subject to change and shit. But mm. if I bought this pay-per-view on the basis that I wanted to see King Kong Bundy go up against Yokozuna, the battle of the heavyweights, and I tuned in, saw Jake's playing with his snake, I would not have been happy. No. Like, you know, I would have I would have been asking for a refund. Well, I would have had to call the cable company and tell them that I bought it to start with. They would have laughed at me for about 20 minutes. And then I would have said, I want a refund, please. You watch the whole show. Yeah? Oh, sorry. Here's double your money back. <laughs> Here, here's here's free credits to watch your next pay per view. It's uh, free credits to watch the next Heroes of Wrestling pay per view. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but yeah, th- this 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 gentleman strolls from backstage. He's in a a button up shirt and and slacks, black slacks. Uh, who who's uh, looks a lot like a smaller King Kong Bundy. They 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 refer to him as the Mini Bundy, and they they keep giving him all these like different names. We he's never identified. We can only assume that maybe he's part of the production team uh, to try and again bring some order to the the madness that has happened in the ring um i i so i have looked into some of this so obviously this particular show there's loads of bits and pieces hmm. and some bits that haven't been confirmed but allegedly that guy that's getting his ass handed to him the ball dude like constantly he was hmm. someone from production backstage hmm. um someone quite connected with the organization and when they realized things were going a bit south, 
they were like, we need to put the heat on someone. So they just threw him out there and went like, everyone just do the finish on him. And <laughs> at least then, like, people will be happy that something's happened. The mm. fact that he looked like King Kong Bundy, I think, was just a, like a bonus <laughs> if anything else. So they had a name to give him. He's the Mini Bundy. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, uh, speaking of Bundy, Bundy in this match here, he gives no shits and he nails Jake in the head with a chair. Uh, we get back in the ring and, and Bundy and Nightheart are taking off <laughs> Jake's shoes uh, for for some reason um <laughs> jake miraculously makes a tag into yokozuna who then cleans house but moments later uh bundy actually splashes roberts who is not the legal man and we get the finish uh here for the three count uh, quite odd um post-match yokozuna uh, does a uh, samoan drop on the mini bundy and we fade to black uh just randomly it just cuts out um, there's a lot of um, uh, rumor and speculation as to why. I mean, I've heard th- things as crazy as uh, Jake then, you know, uh, went and allegedly uh, started a strip tease or like it was doing something wild. Um, I've, I've heard things um, more realistic. Com- is that where Kimono was inspired from? Is that where that ECW <laughs> yes. gimmick was from? Is that she was like. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gonna do Jake the Snake. You saw Jake the Snake Roberts on Heroes of Wrestling was like, I'm taking that. Um, she was in the crowd. She was she in was the crowd, there. wasn't she? Yeah, she was there. Um, yeah, this. Uh, I've heard things more realistic, like the production team just got frustrated and was like, "We're done here," and just like in the show now. Um, yeah, this this match, this moment, this thing, it it. Yeah. It sucks. Chef's kiss, but it sucks. <laughs> but that's what's so unfair about this show, really, is like in on paper it looks fine, but mm. I think the time and the egos of the wrestlers that were involved as well, because they were all major stars back in the 80s, and they could have probably asked whatever they wanted for. And even some of them, not even that long ago in the 90s, were relatively big stars. Right. And they would have all... I saw something really interesting. So I'm talking about this My World uh, podcast, the um, the Jeff Jarrett one that's come out, talking about TNA. And there's something that he speaks about when the first few people were coming together. And he was like, there were these massive egos. And also, getting the NWA, there were people that were part of the NWA booking committee that had voting and veto power over the championships. And he said, there were certain people there that would tell me oh, well, I do this all the time. And, you know, like, I I can draw up to, like, 200 people to a show. Don't you know who I am? And he'd be like, I tell them, though, that that's great that they're drawing 200, but we have the potential to draw, like, thousands. But in their mind, they had earned this job on the committee and, you know, they'd taken all the knocks, taken all the crap. So these guys were those guys, weren't they? And you could see these are the people that had unfortunately fallen out of favor with major promotions Mm. but still felt like they could draw like a massive main event house if any of them were on the card and they all learned real quick that really mean anything that that, that Um, wasn't the case (laughs) 
Yeah. And like all that they did was they all very, very wisely took advantage of a very rich fan. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And that's what a lot of people said that AEW would have been at the beginning. But the difference has been is that I feel like he's got way more control than this dude who just booked a bunch of wrestlers, mm-hmm. put them in a hotel somewhere, gave them like an unlimited amount of drink and then just went go out there and make magic in the casino and then left more than likely immediately like (laughs) i i I would not want to be that guy though like it's he could have in a different time though he could have probably made almost like a thing out of this being so terrible almost like a kind of a room kind of vibe to it and he could have been going around the country showing this pay-per-view to people in cinemas like 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 tommy was so's the room yeah that's what i'm saying this could have this this could be the room of wrestling you could have a whole like promotion that's just terrible wrestling but they were too terrible and it got too real too fast and no one will ever take that risk ever again Yes, this, uh, as you just alluded to here, Fowl, this would be the first and the last Heroes of Wrestling show. The The plans for them to take this on a touring circuit would not come to fruition. Um, and again, uh, I, I got to go back to, um, <laughs> to to kind of what, uh, what we said at the beginning. This show was propped up as being a return to, to wrestling being for family values, right? And... Uh, <laughs> Instead, this is what we we got here. Um, so uh, w- before we head on out, Fowl, um, I'm going to ask you two two questions. Uh, first off, I-, I want your final thoughts on the show overall. Uh, but but secondly, and perhaps most importantly, I-, I would like your speculation as to what would have happened. What what would you have done, or or what could you have seen happening? <laughs> going forward for this Heroes of Wrestling promotion had it not been uh, this being the last show. Had it not actually happened. (laughs) Had it not actually happened. (laughs) Uh, So first of all, like, final thoughts on this show. Hmm. It's, it is, it does have, and I would say legitimately one of the worst wrestling matches of all time, in that cheeky, uh, (laughs) Just in the like the build to it, but yeah, that match with uh, Sheik and Volkov versus the men from Down Under, whacking yeah. bushes all over the place. That's what they should have done. They should have gone to Jake and whacked his bush. But anyway, uh, that was a very smooth snake. But like, I I, I think that the uh, like the the legend of this, as you kind of put earlier on, the legend of this show makes it worse than it is i think that it's a very average nostalgia show that Mm. is unfortunately like even though there were some really bright spots on the show um it was just brought down by i think by ego and it was brought Mm. down by the ego of some wrestlers who didn't realize that they were a very they were an average sized ever average sized fish in a very small pond and it didn't really matter what they did um and that yeah so overall i'd watch it again like i'd watch it again it's not wow. that bad that's uh, very kind of you to say I'm very <laughs> very, uh, very generous <laughs> it's I, i'd watch it again 
with a few beers, a few laughs, um, not as many as were being consumed in that, like in the Casino Magic place. But I, I, I definitely, because it is a fun show to just watch and almost think like that could have been the end of it. That could have been the end of independent wrestling. That could have been the end of anyone else ever taking a chance on pay-per-view wrestling ever again. Mm. Because it would have been like, you seen that shit? <laughs> Not that one that anymore. And also just the fact, just the balls of calling it heroes of wrestling. Such grandiose plans for it. And knowing mm. full well the level of hero they were going to get like isn't ever going to be and also very 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 last thing is it was called heroes of wrestling a lot of heels on that show should be called villains of wrestling Uh, villains (laughs) maybe (laughs) who knows maybe it would have sold more if uh, it was was villains of wrestling it was 1999 yeah nwo were hot as whole hell could have been like these are the anti-heroes of wrestling Uh, austin the height of austin you know and and all that yeah yeah, it could have brought him over. I'm sure he would have popped down for a beer. Like, <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> um, um, oh, and the second, and the second question. Yes, where where would you have what what outcomes could you have seen if there was a, an actual touring circuit of of this Heroes of Wrestling show? So first of all, obviously, we would have the longest reigning uh, Heroes of Wrestling. Oh my god, just realized it would be the How Tag Team Championships. So the How Tag Team Championships <laughs> would go to <laughs> like how did I miss that? But the How Tag Team Championships would go to the Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Obviously, mm. like um they would hold those championships for at least a year. Um and then who would be the women's there wouldn't be a women's division whatsoever. Like <laughs> They wouldn't. It just wouldn't be a women's division because Sensational Sherry would do all the things that any woman would do in that, like, in that particular... Anytime they had something to do, give to a woman, they'd give it to her. And they'd just be like, that's your gimmick, you're a valet. Um, <laughs> and I think that they would be like a light heavyweight style championship. And I think that what's really, really interesting is there's loads of this where I see that TNA saw the mistakes of what they did and fixed it. But I definitely see like a light heavyweight style championship, like mm. like something that you could have like two cold Scorpios. You could have people come in that were big deals, go yeah. up against that Francisco dude. And like, he would be the champ definitely. And they'd build him up. Um, and your heavyweight champion, for all time would be Yoko Gardanzuna because they would be like the world's heaviest athlete and that would then trump <laughs> Big Show, wouldn't it? So that's what they'd do. So would they get like uh, like competitive eaters, like competitive uh, like, like eating people to like go and take on Yokozuna? Uh, like a, Just for like Butterbean every week. Yeah, butterbean. <laughs> oh, there you go. That'd be that'd be fun. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll... and Jake. And actually, what would happen as well? You know, the commissionership. Yes. Yeah, there would be a power struggle, and Jake would come out on top. Oh, really? He he would he would beat Captain Lou to the to the commissionership. No, Lou would leave because he'd see what like craziness it was. He'd be gone, and then they'd have to quickly scramble, and it would be Jake. 
He's like, I'm, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I can't believe I'm the commissioner of this. <laughs> I've, exactly. worked I've, I've worked nearly 40 years in the business <laughs> to get to this point. And, and now this. Uh, exactly. Oh, gosh. Uh, Fowl, this has been absolutely uh, brilliant, uh, a, a, a fun way to start uh, my day and a, a great time and a great chat with you here, sir. I'm glad that we could uh, have a chance to watch the show and uh, talk about it. Um, Always. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, tell you what, where can people find you out there on the Internet? Oh, OK, so. <clears throat> Hello, I'm Foul Original. You can find me on youtube.com slash Foul Original Wrestling. You can also find me on Twitter at Foul underscore Original. Also find me on Instagram at Foul Original. Also on the on the internet, on the website, FoulOriginal.com. Check out my Instagram. I'm doing drawings at the moment. That's where most of my stuff's happening. Right? Yeah. You do, a, you do a lot of memes, too. You're very good at the memes. Thank you very much, yeah. I like that my my, my memory is one of my most, like... I can't, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Well, uh, I, I'm very happy that we got to do this today. Like I said, it's always an honor and a privilege to get to speak with you and, and, and to have these fun chats. And I knew that when I was going to do this, this last little series here for, for headlock talk that I needed to have foul original and I needed to, to, to make sure that, uh, we, we got to talk about this show one last time, at least it's like, it's like, who, who will I put through this pain with me? Who, who? <laughs> <laughs> then, then my mind went to birds, and then it went to fowl, and then I was like, here, here we are. Mm. I know. Uh, and then, who, <laughs> who? Yeah, that's, that's all it is. That's all it is. I'm just, I'm just a canary in a cage. Despite all my rage, I'm just a canary in a cage. There you go. One, one, for your, one, one for your guitar there in the corner. Uh, <laughs> well, like I said, I appreciate you so much for for uh, putting up with this show and uh, doing uh, doing this show as well. It was it was a blast, and um, yeah, thank you so much uh, for for Foul Original. I am Texas Gentleman Tanner Pruitt. Y'all take care and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye bye.